Welcome back to Spirits and Spoilers. I'm Allie. I'm Elizabeth. And this is episode potentially eight, question mark? I think. Episode eight. <laughs> I yes. I knew that I would lose track eventually, and I'm not surprised that it happened before we hit ten. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was seven that I released this past Friday. Okay. So. Um, yeah. I really... Well, we're doing 15 and 16, so yeah, it has to be 8. Oh yeah, good call. Math. I'm so smart. <laughs> I'm a genius. Uh, well, like she said, this is uh, covering chapters 15 and 16. Um, we have, for our cocktail this time, a Blood Orange Moscow Mule, because I still have Blood Orange juice left over from our last cocktails and was trying to look for things to start using that up. Joe's also just been drinking it, so I mean that's been fine too. <laughs> At least it's not going to waste, yeah. right? <laughs> drinking it while he doesn't listen to the podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I think he's listened to maybe one episode. I don't know if he's listened to more yet. I'm gonna go with no since um, he, hasn't he hasn't said, said anything. anything. <laughs> um I so I think that everybody who listens to this episode should hop onto our Facebook, which is Spirits and Spoilers Podcast, and post a message to the wall that says like "Hi Joe" or <laughs> post something for Joe. Just he to... does follow our social media, so he will see them and be very confused. <laughs> yes, so I I really think we need to get this going. <laughs> oh, I am in support. <laughs> All right. So uh, what's in the mule? So our blood orange Moscow mule is one and a half ounces of vodka, juice of half a lime. I just kind of wung it. Winged it? Wung it? <laughs> <laughs> winged it? What's, what's the word? You just kind of flew by the seat of your pants. Yeah. <laughs> With the lime juice. Hold on, I'm Googling. I have to look up because, the grammar on this one. neither one sounds correct. I know. Um... One ounce of blood orange simple syrup and four ounces of ginger beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the blood orange simple syrup, I already had some simple syrup made up, so I just used one cup of that and added a quarter cup of blood orange juice and boiled it for a few minutes. Um, if you are making it from So scratch, did you wung that too? <laughs> I did wung that too. <laughs> I winged it. <laughs> winged it. Wunged it. I, I wang it? <laughs> started drinking. <laughs> uh, for this blood orange simple syrup, if you are starting completely from scratch with it, sorry. <laughs> it is a half cup granulated sugar, half cup water, quarter cup blood orange juice, um, and you boil that and then let it kind of like, you turn the heat off and let it sit there still on the burner for a couple minutes and stir it once all the sugar is dissolved. So, and then I just keep it in a mason jar. Okay, this is really going to bother me, so hold on just a second. Hey, Siri. Hmm? What is the past tense of wing it? Uh, according to Quora, it is winged it. Uh, Reddit says winged it. All right. And english.stackexchange.com says I winged it is correct. All right. Like I said, neither one sounded right, so it really could have gone either way. Um, I, I don't know. I think wang it was was beautiful work on your part. <laughs> Thank so you. we we can stick with that if you want. I don't care. Um, we also found another blood orange mocktail. Um, so this one to make one, 
It calls for a few ice cubes, half a cup of blood orange juice, um, half to one teaspoon fresh lime juice, half to one teaspoon of agave. It says if needed. I mean, you might as well put it in if you have it, but I would say don't go out of your way to get it just for this. Mm-hmm. Um, third cup sparkling water, three to four mint leaves, and a few slices of blood orange and or lime. Fancy. All right. So should we try our mules? I personally also love mules of all kind. Yes. Um, so I'm excited about this one. Um, real quick before we sip, um, I notice here that my mug says detective juice. Yeah. And I want to know, is this juice for a detective or is my name detective juice? <laughs> well, yours is detective soup. <laughs> yeah, that is true. I can be detective juice. <laughs> I, I am never, even if I change my last name someday, I am never going to not be soup to certain people. No. For those that don't know, her last name is Campbell. Yeah. Like the soup. Like the soup. <laughs> All right. Cheers. That's really good. That is tasty. It's like just a hint of blood orange because it was in the simple syrup. So it's not like overpowering orange. No, it's just like slightly citrusy kind of i like it it's It's got a little not really a bite to it it's not quite tangy i don't know what to say it is but i really like it yeah like it doesn't taste quite like just a normal moscow mule yeah there's definitely a little little something extra yeah a little razzle dazzle i would make it again absolutely all right well any other pieces of business before we get started I don't think so. Um, Just plug our socials real quick, I guess, which you mentioned Facebook page is Spirits and Spoilers Podcast. Um, Our Instagram is Spirits Spoilers Pod. And then our email is SpiritsSpoilersPod at gmail.com. Yes. All right. Oh, while we're on that, um, I know we did the shout out to Alex, but I actually got to meet Alex last week. So I got to put a face with the email. So hi, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening. (laughs) All right. Well, let's kick it off then. Okay. So chapter 15 focuses on Rachel. And just as a quick heads up, um, this chapter does contain discussion of domestic violence. So if that is not something you care to listen to, you can feel free to jump ahead on this or... um, do what you need yeah, to do. Yeah, do what you need to do. So, um, but just didn't want to launch into this without mentioning it, just in case you are here for the, the spoilers. So, um, Rachel, we find out, is living rent-free on a ranch that's owned by Jim Beer. He lives on the other side of the ranch with his wife and kids, and he operates the ranch. Um, it's been in his family for years, but um, he met Rachel at the head of the slug when she first arrived in Pine Cove and he was there drinking because his son is more into riding surfboards than horses. So he also lives in a 14 room house that his grandpa built. And I was like, dang, like our grandpa built a house, but it is no 14 room house. <laughs> like, no. What do you do? I'm like trying rooms? to mentally count the rooms, but right. yeah, it's, I mean, that's a sizable house. Cause I mean, yeah. Grandpa built a pretty sizable yeah. house. I think it's, what, three bed, three bath, two, two and a half bath. One, uh, one and two half baths. Two and two halves. Two and two halves, yes. 
Correct. <laughs> Which is somehow different from three. I yes. don't know. <laughs> Architecture is weird. Um, so yeah, he, he lives on the other side of the ranch in this giant house, um, but his son, it doesn't sound like, is going to be taking over operating the ranch, and he was having kind of a time with that, so... Which makes sense. He's the third generation to run this ranch, and I'm yeah. sure he envisioned, especially when he had a son, that, like, cool, it's going to continue. and Right, and he would pass that down, but that's that's not going to be his reality. So he was he was at the head of the slug about it, um, and Rachel came in. He offered to buy her a beer, but she declined, and she asked him whether he knew anyone that had a house for rent. Next thing he knew, he was driving his pickup down the back road into the ranch with Rachel following behind him. From there, he just has vague memories of sleeping with her. From that point on, he's never gone back to the house on that side of the property. And every month, he enters the rent payment in the ledger, and he deposits money from his poker fund into the business account to cover it. Yep. Which I am not excusing by any means. But no. He, you can tell he feels real bad about that and wishes that it had never happened. And mm-hmm. it's not an excuse. It shouldn't have happened. Um, and he should probably own up to it and deal with it. Yes. but it Not also, that I'm judging him, but I'm judging him just a little. Right. <laughs> I also, when I first saw that his name was Jim Beer, I was like, what a freaking cool name. And then I realized that it's my last name now since I'm married is Beerling, B-I-E-R. But our wedding hashtag was Beer Me. Mm-hmm. B-I-E-R-M-E. So, so if you want to see Ellie's wedding pictures on social media, there you go. <laughs> so I was like, Jim Beer, what a cool name. And then I was like, oh, that's kind of what mine is. You're biased. <laughs> um, so after Jim left that night, Rachel had gathered some of his hairs from the pillow, tied a red thread around them, which gave her a bond over Jim. And she put it into a jar, labeled it, popped it into the cupboard over the kitchen sink where she has a number of these jars with varying numbers of knots in the red thread. I want to know what the knots mean. Like, it kind of alludes to the fact that, you know, the two knots for Jim is just enough for the power that she wants over him or whatever, but, like... We know that there's some that have three or four knots. Yes. Yeah, Um, what's her hold on those people? And real quick, he... After this, when... The locals that were at the slug that day had seen that they went in the same direction and kind of left together. You know, they're jabbing him and stuff. And he says, boys, all I got to say is that male menopause is a rough trail to ride. I had no idea that that was an actual thing. I looked it up and I was like, what is male menopause a thing? Or is he just trying to piggyback on like women's menopause here? And And just trying to blow off this comment before it gets him in trouble. Nope. Male menopause is a real thing. What? Um, symptoms are linked to decreasing testosterone levels and aging. Those symptoms include irritability, weight gain, low sex drive and function, problem sleeping, depression, fatigue, and loss of strength. And I got that from Scripps Health. So a pretty legitimate site. From what I could tell. Yes. And. Wow. I had no idea, but they said that it mirrors very similarly to like what women go through, what like the symptoms are similar and I was like all right I was ready to just tear in to Jim Beer about this but I guess I can't it never even occurred to me to check if that was a real thing because (laughs) I just assumed it was it was just him kind of being flippant so yeah all right well we've learned (laughs) um so no one in Pine Cove knew knows anything about Rachel's past which included being the daughter of an illiterate oil field worker being overweight and unattractive 
and eventually marrying a crop duster pilot who was 20 years older than she was. I also have in here that with all of those little baby jars and whatever voodoo she's doing, maybe mm -hmm. she and Ketch are a match made in hell. Right. I, <laughs> it was a little further in before I really got to that and went, oh, I think Ketch is onto something. But yep. yeah, I, I, I think he was right about her. Um, can I, before we get into her past, can I put in one more comment that I had of things I looked up? One more, yes. <laughs> Everybody gets one. Everybody gets one. Um, so it mentions that Rachel decorated her little house, which I'm picturing is like a bunk house for the old, when the ranch had like field hands. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm not picturing it being anything real elaborate or fancy. No. So she decorated it with objects of power, including eagle feathers, crystals, pentagrams, and tapestried tapestries embroidered with magic symbols. And I was like, okay, everybody knows about like crystals and people think that they have certain like healing properties or whatever. Right. Um, pentagrams people are fairly familiar with, magic symbols. Um, but I was like, eagle feathers. I have heard this. I want to look a little more into it. Mm -hmm. Um. So isn't it illegal to have eagle feathers? It is. So this is, um, I got my information from Nat uh, Native Hope blog. Okay. Um, it didn't say specific tribes or anything like that, so I don't want to overgeneralize. I don't know if this is across, like, all Native culture or if it's only, like, certain areas of it. Um, but they consider the eagle the strongest and bravest of all birds mm -hmm. in some um in some tribes, warriors were awarded with a feather if they were particularly brave in battle. It's believed to have strong medicine. Mm -hmm. um, so it is illegal to have, like, eagle feathers or bald eagle feathers. I don't know if it's both or just specifically bald eagles. I think it's any eagle. Okay. Um, but there are ways that it is legal for Native Americans to have feathers and they'll, like, pass them down. Sure, because it has cultural yeah. significance yeah. and it's... So I think they have to get them in certain ways. Okay. Um, Like, they can't just go pluck it from an eagle. Right. Um, I remember just, like, a year or so ago-ish, maybe, um, at Mom and Dad's house. So there's all the eagles on the, on the river behind the house. Yep. They perch in the trees out there. Actually, this year they've got a nest right out behind their house. Yep. Um, but I walked either into or out of the garage and there was a giant feather in the driveway and I was like oh my gosh it's an eagle feather and then I'm like oh my gosh what do I do right <laughs> don't like, touch it I know I can't have this but I want it <laughs> like a yes I did take a picture of it just because it was really cool right I don't think um, it's illegal to have a picture of one no to my knowledge not to my knowledge but it was like so do I just leave it there and hope it blows away or like right what? The last thing I need is to try to explain to my child who cannot leave a feather alone <laughs> that she can't have that one. Yeah, you'll go to jail. <laughs> right, like, that is against the law, child. Leave it alone. Um, but yeah, so I just thought that that one was an interesting one to have. Mm-hmm, absolutely. It apparently is not illegal in California to have them. Or maybe it is and Rachel doesn't give a shit. I mean, that's possible. <laughs> she kind of marches to the beat of her own drum, does her own thing, so... Yes. All right, so Rachel's background. Um, so she ended up getting married to a guy named Merle. Like we said, he was 20 years older than she was. They ran off to Vegas on a whim after knowing each other. Six hours? I was going to say six hours, I yeah. think. So not very long at all. 
Uh, not a whole lot of time to get to know somebody, but whatever. Um, so after that, her husband, Merle, put her in his trailer by the landing strip and allowed her to visit town once weekly for laundry and groceries. Uh, it says he used to start fights in bars to deal with his aggression, but after marrying Rachel, he took out the aggression that he had honed in the Vietnam War on Rachel, first by criticizing her constantly, then verbally abusing her, and then finally beating her. Yep. Um, so one day she was at the laundromat with a bruised, swollen face, and she was approached by a woman who handed her a pamphlet titled The Wheel of Abuse. So she reads the pamphlet, takes it home, hides it in the bathroom, and it stayed there until the morning that she ran out of coffee and lost her two front teeth. Um, so she, at that point, called one of the numbers on the back of the pamphlet, and within half an hour, two women showed up, packed her belongings, and drove her to the shelter. So she lived there for three weeks, being fed and cared for, and asked only to acknowledge her own dignity. Um, she called Merle to tell him where she was, and he promised her that, you know, he missed her and he needed her and it's all going to change. So Rachel returned to the trailer and she went a month without Merle hitting her or touching her or speaking to her. And when she finally brought this up to him, he threw a plate in her face and gave her the worst beating of her life and then locked her outside the trailer for the night. Which honestly, like, that might be the better of the two options. Because I, you don't have to be, like, it's crappy. And yeah. it's cold. Yeah. Yeah, she had to curl up under the stairs to try to stay warm. Right. But at least you're not in his presence. Like, at least he's going to leave you alone out there, you know? Right. Well, except for the part where in the middle of the night he opens the door and announces to her that he had ripped out the phone. So, you know, basically sending her the message, don't try to call again. Yep. When, when he leaves in the morning for work, um, he flies out. He's a... Uh, crop dusting pilot, mm -hmm. which take that how you will. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but he takes the keys to the truck with him. Mm -hmm. So now, I mean, she's never been able to just like leave. They're 15 miles to the nearest neighbor. Yeah, and she's in, try and walk. Especially in the condition she's in after yes. receiving the worst beating of her life. And now she's finding out that she doesn't even have the phone anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, so in the morning, yeah, she had crawled under the trailer out of his reach. He lifts the plastic skirting and says that she had better be there when he gets home or she was going to get even worse. So she waited to hear the plane take off and then she crawled out and she smiled. And I went, hmm, hmm <laughs> where is this going? Um, so then a quote from the book, she had discovered her personal power. It lay hidden under the trailer in a five-gallon asphalt can, now half full of aviation-grade motor oil. I'm going to tell you my first thought was that she was about to blow up the trailer. That was my first thought, too. Um, but that is actually not where this went. So later in the day, a policeman comes to bring Rachel some bad news. Um, but when he saw her sitting on the steps of the trailer, he ran to see if she was okay. She couldn't speak. She was in really, really bad shape. So he drove her to the hospital, and after she had been cleaned up and bandaged, he came to her room and informed her of the crash. Um, and another quote here. It seemed that Merle's biplane lost power after a pass over a field. He was unable to climb fast enough to avoid a high-tension tower, and flaming bits of Merle were scattered across a field of budding strawberries. Later, at the funeral, Rachel would comment, it was how he would have wanted to go. 
Because Merle had to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, goodness. So then... A few weeks later, somebody from the FAA comes around to ask some questions. Rachel told him that Merle beat her and then stormed out to the plane and took off. So the FAA investigator concluded that Merle, quote, in his anger, had forgotten to check out his plane thoroughly before taking off. No one ever suspected Rachel of draining the oil out of the plane. And that, I mean, Merle also it mentioned that he had a history of flying... Recklessly. Recklessly, yes. Um, and that was one of the ways that he kind of took out his anger, and he was also reliving his quote-unquote glory days of of being in Vietnam and being a helicopter pilot there. And, right. Um, so I feel like that totally, that wasn't like totally out of the realm of possibilities, that he was oh, mad, went and flew recklessly, and this is what happened. Yeah. Yeah, honestly, her story is reasonably plausible. Yeah. Um, it's not true, but it's plausible. Yeah. <laughs> so that gives us, um, chapter 15 and, a, a beginning of a look at Rachel's background before coming to Pine Cove. Yep. All right. So we are now on chapter 16, which is Howard. So we are back on Howard Phillips, who owns the cafe and is described as looking kind of like the Crypt Keeper. Right. Um, so he settled in the study of his stone cottage when he saw something moving in the trees out the window. And immediately I thought, that's not going to be good. Right. <laughs> no, I'm like, oh. It's, it's nothing innocent. It's not just a deer out there. But I also immediately thought, oh, this is going to be exciting for him. Right. Um, I think it's a little too exciting for him. It's more excitement than he was signed up for. <laughs> just a touch, Yes. So he spent most of his adult life trying to prove the following theories. One, that before man had walked to the earth, there had been a powerful race of intelligent beings who had achieved a high level of civilization, then for some unknown reason had disappeared. Two, that the remnants of their civilization still existed underground or under the ocean. So, hold, pause. Atlantis. So does he believe in Atlantis? <laughs> I think he probably thinks Atlantis is from these old beings. Okay. But... He also says, uh, through extreme cunning and guile, had escaped detection by man. Mm -hmm. And three, that they were planning to return as masters of the planet in a very unfriendly way. That sounds not great. <laughs> sounds like someone we know. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> so what lurked in the woods outside was his first physical evidence that he had encountered proving these theories. He was elated... And terrified. He was a scholar, not an adventurer. He preferred his experiences to come secondhand through books. His idea of adventure was trying whole wheat toast with his daily ham and eggs instead of the usual white bread. And I felt called out by that because I went grocery shopping a couple days ago before I read this and I bought whole wheat bread <laughs> for the first time in a long time. Usually I buy white. <laughs> Look at you, you adventurer. I know, so just call me Howard. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so what he did see out in the woods uh, resembled what he read about in ancient manuscripts. Okay, pause again, because yes. where is Weird Menu Guy getting ancient manuscripts from? Oh, I'm sure he's like up late at night scouring the internet. Could be. Paying thousands of dollars. 
for one book. <laughs> trading his trading his weird menu money for ancient yes. manuscripts. Exactly. Okay. So go ahead. It was bipedal like man. Bipedal or bipedal? Bipedal. Okay. Like man. I think. But with long ape-like arms and reptilian. The manuscript said the creatures had always been small in stature, though, but what he saw was enormous. Howard locked eyes with the monster. Its eyes were the size of car headlamps, and they glowed a faint orange around slotted feline pupils. Long, pointed scales lay back against its head, giving the impression of ears. They stared at each other for what seemed like forever, until Howard couldn't stand it any longer and shut the curtains, at which point he heard what sounded like laughter outside. So, I know who this is. By the description, we can go ahead and infer that this is Catch. Yes. Um, And if Howard can see him and he is ginormous. That is not good for Howard. No. It's not good for anybody that comes across him. Right. Because we know that means it's time for him to feed. Yes. Um. So when Howard finally got the courage to peek through the curtains, the creature was gone. Did you, I'm sorry, did you get the height? For, for what he oh, sees. Oh, I did not. So, I, um, basically the description in the manuscript says that the creatures that were kept as slaves by the old ones were no more than a few feet tall. Which I think when Ketch is not feeding, is accurate. that checks out. But this one is enormous. Four or five meters. And I had to convert that just to I was get also a sense confused why it went like talked about feet and then also talked about meters well because you know he's obsessed with everything from England that's true so it makes sense that he would be going metric with this right um but for context because I did have to actually do a little conversion um that would be somewhere between 13 feet, one and a half inches to 16 feet and five inches. I'm glad you did the conversion because I saw meters and I was like, I'm just going to assume that's really big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know what that means. That is like Shaq standing on Shaq's shoulders. Yeah. So that's, that's up there. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he... Then realized that the old ones had been so careful not to be discovered, but this one was walking openly in the moonlight. So perhaps maybe it wasn't actually gone, but it was now circling the house to get rid of the witness. Um, he then realized he had no weapons in the house. Should he look through his books for spells of protection? Well, he had no idea where to start looking for those. And he was on the verge of panic, so he figured that's not really the right time to do any sort of research. No, that does not lead to good research. No. Um, he's also, as this is going on too, beating himself up for not getting photographic evidence. Yes. Which would not have been my first thought. Well, no, but everybody has laughed at him when he has used the manuscripts to try to prove the existence of the old ones, so... I, I can see him wanting to get a photo, you know, yeah. of Lizard Squatch or whatever. I'm and just <laughs> thinking that this would not be a thought for me until well after the fact. Yeah, it would be probably two days later when I would kick myself yeah. for that. But he's, I mean, he's really a mental multitasker here. Yeah, I'm impressed. Um, should he run to his old Jaguar and drive off? Well, if he did that, he might run right into the creature. So he decided, ah, the phone. And he calls 911. 
a perfectly logical thing to do when you see a lizard squatch in your woods. To be fair, I don't know what you should do. So, like, 911 is probably, like, most people's first thought. I mean, I suppose that's fair. Yeah, because that's what we're trained to do in an emergency. Uh-huh. But, like, they're not going to be able to do anything. And also, aren't you just really summoning law enforcement to get eaten by the big lizard man in the woods? Meat shields. Gives you time. Wow. The thin blue meat shields. Okay. Um, so the 911 operator asks him if he is in any immediate danger, and he says, Well, yes, that is why I called. <laughs> Which is basically a classier duh. Right. <laughs> um, so she's asking him to describe what the prowler looks like. <laughs> He is in an, an abomination of such abysmal hideousness that the mere recollection of this monstrosity perambulating in the dark outside my domicile fills me with the pre, preternatural chill of the Ch- Chanel house? Charnel, Charnel house. house. Oh, it definitely auto-corrected. <laughs> I was like, that's not right. <laughs> Channel, Chanel, nope, Charnel house. Um, and then I was reminded why he annoyed me in the previous chapter that we heard from him and it's because he talks like this and nobody knows what he's saying um i also did look up what the charnel house was and it is a building or vault in which corpses or bones are piled or a place associated with violent death so very fitting for seeing catch absolutely yes um and then fitting flowery and extremely verbose but fitting yes (laughs) um so then the 911 operator comes back with that would be about how tall. <laughs> and I'm she's sure, just not having yeah, it. I'm sure that she is just so annoyed. Like, can you just tell me in normal terms? Because right now you're not helping either one of us. Like, right. <laughs> help me help you. Right. Um, so then we learned that Catch was wearing jeans and a leather oh, jacket. Oh, hold on, though. Because how tall is he? Howard says about two meters, which, by the way, is about six foot seven. Yes. So he is very much underselling what he has just seen and I think that he realizes that if he reports what he actually saw they're gonna send him to the loony bin yeah he's gonna get a an involuntary 72 hour vacation in the Griffey Sack Hotel so yes so he does have his wits about him in that sense but also I feel bad for whoever shows up to deal with Something, something that is double that size uh-huh and with <laughs> talons and like not at all what he's describing here no um but he does say that the beast is wearing jeans and a leather jacket which is also garbage yes because he saw catches scales yes and i think again is going well if i say that i saw you know a reptile sasquatch they're not nobody's going to show up for that yes Maybe an ambulance for him, but nobody else. <laughs> Do you remember the um, the old cartoon Doug? Yes. Remember the green guy that was kind of the like bully, the bad guy? Roger? No, not Roger. I gotta look him Roger up. Roger had the green face and the weird red hair and the leather jacket. Oh, was that Roger? I thought Roger I... was his best friend. No, that's Skeeter. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, Roger. Roger's the bully. That's who I was picturing catch being prowling out there <laughs> oh when it said jeans and a leather jacket i like that okay so um, it's lizard roger out there yes okay so the police will take 20 minutes to get there and wait 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 can i jump in first with yes. another howard quote <laughs> yes so howard is asked whether he knows if the prowler is armed and he responds armed i should say so 
The beast is armed with monstrous claws and a toothed maw of the most villainous predator. <laughs> this I don't poor like dispatcher. That. Oh, I give her major props for not hanging up on this guy. <laughs> oh, I know. It's out of control. Um, but yeah, the police was, it, they're going to take 20 minutes to get there. The 911 operator says, I will stay on the line with you until you get there. He says, that is too long. He will be torn to shreds by then and hangs up. Mm-hmm. 20 minutes does seem eternal if you are in a serious situation. Right. Um, in previous jobs, I have been in situations where we have had the contact police to come out and assist with something, and it is like your adrenaline's going. Um, time slows down. It seems like it takes forever for them to get there. But, like, I would like having the comfort of having another person on the other end of that phone. Yeah. Even if I think that I'm still going to get eaten before they get there, I still want someone there. <laughs> you don't want to get eaten alone. Yes. <laughs> okay, fair. Um, so he decides that he's going to try and get out of there. He's going to try and make it to his car and drive away. So he's standing there, hand on the doorknob, repeatedly counting to three. He keeps saying, on the count of three, I'm going to open the door and run. He does this quite a few times. Before he finally just opens the door and takes off into the dark. Yep. And we don't know what happens. No, we are not a cliffhanger there. So that is chapter 16. Um, surprise. We're going to tack on chapter 17. Um, we realized actually the first two chapters we did went pretty quickly, so... Um, bonus chapter. I apologize if you disturbed my verb. <laughs> it snuck up on me. Oh my god. See, I'm sneaking in those ASMRs where I can. I'm leaving that in just so you know. That's fine. I fully expected you to. All right. So, <laughs> chapter 17 is Billy. He's my favorite. I'm so glad that we get a little bit more of Billy. He's a hoot. Okay, so Billy just as a quick refresher, is the night auditor at the Rooms R Us motel and has his, um, his alter ego, Roxanne. So when we open the chapter, Billy is finishing the nightly audit at work, and the sooner he finishes, the sooner he can log onto the computer and become Roxanne. Uh, we learn that only 37 of the 100 rooms are rented that night, so everybody's crankiness earlier is really working in Billy's favor. He is going to finish early, and um, it tells us that he really needs the ego boost after the breeze ditched him the previous night. I also really want to know, on average, nightly, how many of the rooms are actually rented. Oh, that would be interesting to know. More than 37 from the sounds of it. Right, which surprises me, because I feel like in Pine Cove, unless this is like height of tourist season, I guess. That's what I was thinking, is it, it must be. Because, I mean, we've had some references to shopkeepers being short with the tourists and yeah so I, it must be fairly busy from tourism i'm also every once in a while while reading reminded how short of t like length of time has passed so far in this book like we're almost halfway through and we're still on like day two because he's talking about from our very first chapter that was the night before this current chapter. Right. And so that just keeps blowing my mind where I feel like so much more time has passed. <laughs> right. But it hasn't. <laughs> so Billy is alone in the motel. There's not much traffic outside. And that works well for him because he doesn't like distractions while being Roxanne. 
And we learn that his communication on the computer is through the hotel computer system, linking him to other motels in the chain and talking to their night staff. Which seems really risky to me. Yeah. But also I know we've determined this is like, what, late 90s, mid 90s? Early 90s. Okay. The book so, is slightly older than you. That's right. So we know that like the internet and tracking and stuff like that has come... It's less sophisticated at the time this was published. Yes. Yeah. But it still feels like there's some way for you to get caught doing this. Right. Well, and then also... How is he going to do this when he gets his computer at home and quits his job? Because he's not going to be linked into all these people he's talking to now. He's going to have to find a new... Yep, he's going to have to make new connections. Yeah, yeah. So I had that thought, too. So he's talking to the night staff in other hotels in the chain around the country. They exchange some, some uh, spicy messages. And Billy starts digging through his bag for his stilettos because he likes to put the heels on the bar of the stool he sits on while he is typing as Roxanne. Well, and we learn that there are 10, he's talking to 10 different clerks. Yes. In total. Yes. Um, and he caters his responses to each one of them individually. So like for the one in Tulsa, Roxanne is shy. For Wichita, she's a dominatrix. Um, Seattle saw her as a leather clad biker chick. And Arizona was an older man who thought that Roxanne was a struggling single mother of two, and he constantly wanted to send her money. Yeah, he's he's juggling a whole lot of identities here. But I will say good on the Breeze because it says that he wanted to. It doesn't sound like the Breeze ever actually let him send. I mean, not the Breeze, sorry. Billy mm -hmm. Winston ever let him send money. Yeah, I, I didn't get that impression either. It was just that the offer was constantly there. Yes. Um, so Billy then hears the doors open, but he doesn't look up. Um, and I think we've all dealt with that person in customer service who yep. doesn't even look at you, just, you know, like, oh, what do you want? I have here, enter, catch. <laughs> yes. Um, so two reptilian hands clack down on the counter, and when Billy looks up, it is into the open mouth of the demon coming at his face. Um, so Billy pushes back from the keyboard, catching his heel in the rung of his stool, and topples over backward as the demon's mouth snaps shut above him. He screams, and he scrambles away on his hands and knees, and he sees the demon crawling over the counter at him. Um, I just spaced too far. Where did I go? Okay, so Billy makes it into the office, and he slams the door shut. And he turns to run out the back door of the office as the door, the first door flies open and slams against the wall. So Billy goes running down the hall outside to the back door, outside the back door to the office, pounding on the doors as he goes. Nobody's opening their door, but there's a whole lot of angry shouting from inside the rooms. Yep. <laughs> I would not be happy either. <laughs> so Billy turns around and he sees the demon filling the end of the corridor, coming toward him in a crouch on all fours, I have a quote, crawling awkward and bat-like in the confined space. And I can picture that. It's such a visual. Yes. So Billy keeps running down the hallway and around the corner, and he twists his ankle in the process. And I've got to say, I'm really impressed that he made it this far in stilettos before this happened. I also love that his thought is, damn high heels. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Haven't we all had that thought? Oh, yes. Um, so Billy opens a room as Catch is coming around the corner behind him. He kicks the stiletto off of his good foot and hops on one foot over to the sliding glass door. Which the first, when I like read this through, 
I read that he was limping to the closet door, and then it said something about a sliding glass door, and I was like, what kind of closet has a sliding glass door in it? And then I had to go back, and I was like, oh, it says closest. <laughs> so I was really confused there for a minute. I was what? like, what kind of closet is this? <laughs> One little letter makes a really big difference. <laughs> so he starts clawing at the safety bar on the sliding door as Catch approaches the room. And Catch stops just inside and looks around. He turns on the light and appears to be studying the bed. And... I started really cracking up. Me too. <laughs> Catch then asks Billy, does that have magic fingers? <laughs> Catch then tells Billy, give me a quarter. Billy complies because, I mean, are you really going to refuse a demon a quarter? <laughs> um, and the demon tells him, thanks. I love magic fingers. The demon then tells Billy he can leave. So all is good. It cost him a quarter to get away. Yep. So Billy bolts, but as he's scrambling out, something grabs his leg and drags him back in. The demon tells him, I was just kidding. You can't go. I honestly, for a second, thought that Ketch was going to be so ecstatic and so distracted by the magic fingers that he was going to let Billy go. I did too. Because also, like, who's going to believe Billy's story? Right. You know, like, there's really no... No chance that people are going to, you know, maybe Howard, but we don't know if he got eaten yet or not. Right. So. Well, and my other question is, um, does Billy file a work comp claim for his ankle? Not anymore. <laughs> well, that's true because <laughs> the monster held Billy upside down by his leg and drops the quarter into the metal box on the nightstand. The monster then holds Billy like a teddy bear and Which, lays back on the bed. That visual cracked me up. It was adorable. It was adorable <laughs> in my head. It puts a claw by Billy's ear. Don't you just love magic fingers, it said. Then it drove the claw through Billy's brain. So, poor Billy. Bye, Billy. But we did hear a little bit from the breeze after he got eaten by Catch, so I'm wondering if maybe Billy will make one last appearance. I kind of hope so. Same. And we still don't know what happened to Howard. Do you think that he also got eaten, or do you think Billy is the only one that gets eaten? I feel like Howard is probably okay. Um, I mean, we don't we don't know that. We don't have any evidence either way at this point. But yeah. I don't know. That sounds like the time it took him to actually get outside sounds like way too long for catch to wait around for him yeah i don't think he has that much patience no i think catch is more impulsive than that so yeah. my my theory is that howard is still alive and he's going to have this wild story and nobody is going to believe him yep so that's that's my theory we'll see how that pans out i'm wondering also if howard is going to play some sort of um part in like helping Augustus Brine or anything like that, because he's oh. the only one that has information. Yeah, about so some of these. so Augustus would probably be pretty smart to partner with him at some point. Yeah, so. if for nothing other than his knowledge. Yes. So I guess we'll see what happens. Yep. All right. So that was our first three chapter episode. Yeah. So that feels good. Yep. We'll have to um, when we post it post something so people can be prepared since we kind of just surprised through in the third one. <laughs> yes. Maybe we should put a Facebook post up today. Yeah, we can do that. Which if you follow our social media, you'll have already seen this and you'll wonder why we're talking about it, but that's okay. <laughs> um, 
So we gave each other podcast recommendations to listen to. Yes. And it sounds like we have both finally actually taken those <laughs> recommendations and listened to at least a couple episodes. Listen, I'm really far behind on my podcast. So no, yes. it's okay. Me too. I, I finally was, heard one episode. <laughs> I was in the same boat. Um, do you want to start then and tell sure. me what you think? Um, so I listened to Fly on the Wall, which is the podcast with David Dana Carvey and David Spade. And David Spade, yes. And the episode I listened to, their guest was Zach Galifianakis, and it was hysterical. Um, he talked a little bit about Between Two Ferns and he, you know, some of the other stuff he's done. And it cracked me up. So here comes a spoiler. But I mean, <laughs> we warn you in the title. He was talking about his early days in comedy. Mm-hmm. And they were asking about, you know, like having his name pronounced because it's a when, crazy one. When you look at the spelling, there's a lot of letters there. Yeah. And it could be a little overwhelming at first sight. And he was talking about how. You know, he thought really people just kind of tried to make it sound ethnic. So he's talking about like being at a club and getting getting introduced as, you know, please welcome Baklava Rodriguez. <laughs> and I, when I tell you, I almost drove off the road because I was laughing so hard. Oh my God, it was great. So I'm looking forward to more episodes of that. Yeah, I, like I said, I haven't listened to like a ton of that one yet. It's one that I kind of throw on if I'm gonna be like cleaning or something Mm -hmm. like that where I don't have to like fully pay attention yeah um but I have enjoyed that one a lot so far yeah I'm I'm definitely looking forward to more of it so and then you listen to bananas yes so I started me about bananas started with the episode that you sent me because there was a Kalamazoo story in it did you Um, die laughing yeah it was definitely the most Kalamazoo story (laughs) Um, I played it for one of my friends and she also laughed at it because I was like, you have to hear this. Like she grew up in, in Portage Kalamazoo area. So. Oh, okay. So she knows Gordon X State game area and all that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, after listening to that episode, went back to the beginning and have started listening to them from the beginning. Oh, wow. Um, and their theme song gets stuck in my head. Driving me bananas, baby. (laughs) Yes. Yep. I know, it's an earworm. Yeah. Um, um, but no, I've really been enjoying that one, because that one, again, is one you don't super have to pay attention to. It's just, right. like, it's a bunch of quick news headlines and stories that are just outrageous. And then they'll throw in their own personal stories yeah. that, you know, they're reminded of. Yeah. Yep. So it's really entertaining. It's not like you're trying to follow a plot exactly. or get a bunch of details of an investigation or something. Yep. So, yeah. So I've been enjoying that one, and like I said, I've started listening i think i've listened to like the very their first three episodes now plus the one that you sent me so okay yeah i there has not been a bad episode of that for me i crack up every time um and their very first guest star was louise from bob's burgers are you serious on their very first episode gosh now i gotta go back to the beginning because i tend to just hop in wherever i'm at unless it's you know, like Counterclock or something, where you have right. to listen to a full season. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's just like, okay, well, I'm going to yeah, this, subscribe this is or a pod- follow. Yeah, and... this is a podcast. You can definitely jump in wherever. But I recommend, since you are a huge Bob's Burgers fan, that you at least the listen biggest. to their episode. Their okay. first episode. I'm going to do that. And I believe they're friends with Kristen Shaw, who I is... So. Is that who it is? Yes. You said Louise. I was thinking yep. Tina. Oh, nope. Louise. Nope. So yeah, they're friends with Kristen Shaw. So yes. that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Yeah, I will have to back that up because I absolutely love her. I loved her in um, 
Flight of the Concords, too. Yes. She was hysterical. She's so funny in any of the things that she's been in. Because she'll play... She's played a couple of, like, really minor background characters in a couple different things that I've seen. Mm-hmm. And she just kills me every single time. Oh, yeah. She could only have, like, two lines and I'm still laughing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So that's that's that. Yep. Um, I would anticipate that for the next episode, you will want to read chapters 18 and 19. But maybe read 20 just in case. You never know what we're going to do. And <laughs> obviously we don't either. So we are wanging it. <laughs> <laughs> we wanged it real good. <laughs> oh, we've come full circle now. All right. Well, have a great week. We will drop our next episode next Friday. And in the meantime, remember to read read responsibly. responsibly.